maybe this is a bit of an echo chamber. I feel like I feel like brands generally lean left. Feels like it's a very easy avenue in to um, to be relevant right now. It's 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 what everyone is talking about. LinkedIn Stories. Did you see this? Oh my gosh, I opened it up and I'm like, what, am I on Instagram? I am The Rock and I'm making tequila and I know all of you fools will buy it from me because I'm The Rock and I'm the most powerful celebrity in the world at the moment. I just don't think that like, I, I'm not buying it. Like, I don't think The Rock is, um, you know, I don't think The Rock is uh, selling me something that he himself artisanally created somewhere. You know, it's just clearly, clearly a money play at this point. You know, we, we, me and you, we've been to the San Francisco Amazon Go store. Uh, the first time I went in there, it was really weird. I definitely felt like I was stealing something. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the 30-Minute CMO Podcast. My name is Gorsha Huchua, and I'm joined by my, par uh, my partner, Alex McNamara. Hey, Alex. Hey, Gorsha. Good evening. Good evening. So this is our weekly ad talk edition of the show, and it's a format where we discuss news and events in the world of marketing that we found to be most interesting. And we invite you to send us your thoughts and questions via LinkedIn and Instagram, uh, and we'll also so, uh, soon have a website live with all the previous recordings of the show. So now let's go, get on with today's show. Um, and we want to start off with some of the things that we found to be interesting as far as developments go this week. So I personally um, have been looking at advertising around the elections as a very interesting trend or topic. I kind of feel like there's two camps. Brands that are steering way clear of the whole thing because they find no gain uh, in what is a fairly toxic environment. And then those are, there are other brands who are very much taking a position and leaning into it, encouraging um, people to go out and vote, etc. cetera. Um, I've actually seen some brands uh, who have historically uh, not participated in these types of things, uh, put their annual campaigns, um, kind of like pin them onto the elections uh, case case in point being absolute vodka, which has been dormant as far as TV advertising goes for the last two or three years. And they are doing a campaign saying vote first, drink second. So I've, I find the whole thing pretty interesting. I wonder if there is going to be any sort of um, any sort of halo effect that's positive or negative that affects these uh, these brands attaching themselves to the elections. Generally speaking, I guess there is very little controversy around the idea that people should vote, people should get out and vote. And um, as long as the brands aren't taking an active political position, they should be fairly safe. The thing is some brands are taking an active political position. I think Nike's being one of those most prominent brands that is. There are uh, quite a few others, Patagonia, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, do you, do you think that the, the brands that have been, uh, doing more political, well, cause they're not political advertising and like they're endorsing candidates for the most part, they're more jumping on the, the conversation that everyone's having now, which is, um, getting people to vote. Do you, of the brands that you've seen, do you think that the, they're more left leaning brands that are getting people to get out and vote than right leaning brands? Maybe this is a bit of an echo chamber. I feel like. 
I feel like brands generally lean left. At least the major ones do. Center, you know, if, if they do take a position, it tends to be a more progressive position. I don't think anyone is being super overt about this. But if you sort of think about the general rhetoric about what camp drives voter suppression, what camp um, drives voter registration, I think there is probably a fairly clear line of of, of who's for yeah. what. And I think without without a fail, most of these brands are sort of in that voter registration, go out and vote, make your vote count, also buy our thing, but make your vote count first. Yeah. Uh, camp. So I think they lean left, even without saying, you know, vote Biden. I think I think that's I mean it, anything that gets people to go out and vote I think is a is a positive thing especially now you know, regardless of what side you're on it's you you have an opportunity to vote and have a and have a say in in the direction of of the government um, I know where I would vote if I could but I'm not allowed to as much as Donald Trump would say that you should go out and vote twice I'm I'm not going to do that <laughs> but, vote, I think, vote but I think vote early <laughs> yeah exactly um but i think it's like you can um it, it feels like it's a very easy avenue in to um to be relevant right now it's 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 what everyone is talking about it's what right. all of the news is talking about so it's a very easy way to be part of a conversation and if it, even if it is playing lip service to it you can just see some, you know, a, a, a strategist and a creative agency being like, right, everyone's talking about voting. Let's let's make this a bit. Let's make this campaign about voting somehow, and that's going to be the the way in. Um, so, but if it gets people to vote, if it gets someone likes a brand and it says go vote, then yeah, I'm 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 down for it. I think this feels less like the sustainability campaign where even if you haven't been a part of it before, this this is something that is only doing a good thing. You you you'd have to think. All right. All right. Well, we'll see. All right. Next thing on the, the new, new stuff out this week, LinkedIn stories. Did you see this? My gosh. I opened it up and I'm like, what, am I on Instagram? I know. It was, it was the strangest thing. I remember when Facebook brought out Facebook stories and I was like, yeah, this is also, this, the Instagram does this. This is an Instagram thing. Now LinkedIn are trying to get on the bandwagon. Um, I've seen three Instagram, no, LinkedIn stories. Um, one of them was a screen, as a, a photo of a keyboard that says, what is LinkedIn stories? <laughs> um, another one was a similar thing of a coffee cup that said, am I doing this right? Um, but, and I, and I was thinking like one, my gut reaction was, this is stupid. You're copying Instagram who was copying Snapchat. It's a you know, navel gazing expedition. But then I thought more about the content that I've seen from people there's a guy called keenan who does a lot of sales advice kind of videos and he'll sit in his car and he'll but he'll post a video out on his feed um and this seems like a really easy way for thought leaders for um for you know brand leaders to get content out really really easy um in a, in a way that feels less forced, like, you know, like the typical Instagram stories format, right. the, like the, the stories you tell in your feed um, format. And it feels like a way that you can have a much better sort of dialogue with, um, with people. Um, do you think it's a, do you think it's a dialogue? Uh, because stories, stories in other, in other places are sort of like a one way thing. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I didn't mean uh, dialogue is the wrong word. Yeah. It's a, it's a, 
And that's, and that's, that's, that's the thing that I really enjoy about LinkedIn is that there's, you know, someone will ask a question or pose a provocative or interesting topic. And then people sort of, I actually enjoy reading comments more, more than I enjoy sometimes the original post. And I wonder if, if some of that quote unquote thought leadership is going to lose some of that commentary because of the limitations. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really good point. I think, yeah, if you don't have comments, if there's nowhere for it to live forever, then you don't get that discussion that can happen days, even weeks after the, the original posting. So I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see how the LinkedIn influencers use it. Yeah, I see potential, but again, it's sort of will be in the implementation of how the community and the platform and the communities there take it. Um, so um, yeah. interesting development, uh, everything is, by the way, you said inst you kind of attributed stories to Instagram. I think we all need to remember that they came from Snap and then everyone just kind of stole them. Yes. Yes, it is. It is, but it, but they had stories. They they coined the term stories, didn't they? Does did, would Snapchat have stories? Didn't they? stories? I think we'll need to do some archival research. Yeah, we definitely need to do some. We dig back into the archives. But yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting one. And it's going to be how the um they get used. I think it's going to be fun yeah. to watch. I'm waiting for LinkedIn Reels. That's going to be the the next oh, thing. No. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of uh, speaking of Internet Archives, um, and this one uh, for people keeping track is probably a bit of old news. Um, it's not the news itself that's um, that's interesting. Uh, that AT and T is selling its um, advertising arm, digital advertising arm called Xander. Um, but it's just something that I've I want to say that I just sort of predicted it when it happened because um, for those for those who don't know, uh, when AT and T acquired Warner Media. They thought that they would have this advertising monopoly, essentially, that they could create. Maybe not a monopoly, but like a true competitor to Google and Facebook, where they can connect, could connect their TV um, and in-stream viewers and their telephony subscribers and everyone, basically, who would be living under that AT&T and WarnerMedia umbrella. Um, they, they created an entity called Xander. Um, it was short for Alexander as an Alexander Graham Bell, which was just awful, an awful way to, to name not, it. So not, not me. Yeah, not, me. Not, not, not you, Xander, the, oh. other, the other guy okay. who invented the telephone. Oh, yeah. 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 Anyway, they, uh, they spent at least $1.6 billion buying AppNexus, which, um, which was a platform that was supposed to enable the, some of the stuff to work. Long story short, it failed. No one understood what it was doing. Um, I think from the get-go, the effort was very half-hearted. You know, if, if, if they were the first ones to do it, I would say, okay, well, lesson learned um, for other, other telcos. Don't, don't go and try to compete with, uh, you know, the Googles and Facebooks and, and do things this way. But it wasn't the first time. Uh, Verizon did something similar with Oath uh, some years back. And that also didn't work. And they had to write off several billion dollars worth of investment because they couldn't figure out how to make all of those things work either. So the point here is um, it's, it's a huge erosion of shareholder value. Um, it's a huge waste of time for everyone who is involved on the media buying side because you have to learn how this thing works, what the proposition is, take endless meetings, uh, spend you know your client's money, or if you're a brand, spend your own money trying to figure out what this whole thing is. I think it's just it's one of those stories again of taking a whole bunch of stuff uh, that has promise, give it to people who have no idea what to do with it, and just watch the whole thing implode. Um, 
That's right. That's what, it. That's what really what you, I wanted to say there. <laughs> that felt like more was a, you wanted to get something off your chest. Like I feel like you've had a, a lot of bad meetings with these, with these sort of products. And it feels like more like you just needed to get that out. So, I remember. I remember the um, first but, first time sitting in a meeting with them, and they were like, "We're the new." I'm like, "I give you two years." <laughs> two years, and and did they, they didn't last two years then. I don't think um, so. But but like you 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 sort of understand this really well. Do you want to like get tactical for thirty seconds? And like they have a lot of data on a lot of people, and and they have a lot of platforms and a lot of you know ways that they can get your ads out. Where do you where do you think it just didn't connect? Is it on like the buying side where you're not able to like figure out the target, like figure it out as a buyer, or is it at the on their side where they just weren't able to live up to that promise of we'll take all of these data points, put them put them together, and then meet, match them up with what you want, and then track it all back to you know attribution. You know. <laughs> I think I, I, I think it was a disconnect between what they were selling most likely and what the actual product was. And you're right, like the underneath it all, um, there was a ton of user data, and it probably just wasn't executed on very well. And I think you you know you you've seen it firsthand when um, a company, an advertising entity, goes and says to clients. With a push of a button, you can reach all of your consumers in the right place at the right time across all the screens because we have this amazing data, blah, 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 right? And then when you're, yeah. you know, when you as a client say, okay, I'm sold, let's go ahead and push that button. You're like, ah, actually there is no button, but there's a thousand spreadsheets, 30 account managers, and just, you know, like a legacy <laughs> thing, monster that lives in a closet that, that will consume all your time legacy monster, a legacy monster that will consume all the time that you never had to begin with i think i think that's what this was i think they went and made it seem like it was an easy thing to do and in the world where things are easy to do with google and facebook where you can't truly go and reach your audiences with the click of a button you can't compete uh with an antiquated proposition like this i think that plus probably some implications from ccpa and gdpr uh, which probably severely yeah. restricted how they could move the data across these platforms probably was the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's not great for them. I mean, that was the fastest way to make $10 million be Verizon and, and, uh, and be AT&T and buy app Nexus. Sure. So the other thing that I saw this week, which was which fantastic, I sent it to you as soon as I saw it, so you'd appreciate it. Um, it was, I think it was an Australian Mazda dealership um, yes. had put out a video of three of their sales associates doing a TikTok dance, but, but with the added value of explaining five-year financing, which I think is, has got to be the best combination of also advertising and later trends. So I think we'll probably we'll need to try and find a we'll link this in our Instagram and, and LinkedIn posts so you can watch it. I absolutely despised it because it was <laughs> it was cringy as hell. Yes. And it felt like just were like, hey, some it felt like some old person had been like, oh, everyone's all the kids are on this thing called TikTok. Um, they do the dance. You three, you look like you're young enough to know what a TikTok is. Go make a TikTok, uh, but make sure you get all of the all the proof points in. And it was like read the strategy document of what we're going to do to sell 
and just say those words. And it was, it was horrific. But the more, but I think you had a very different reaction to it. I, I watched it and I was like, this is awful. And then I watched it again. I actually watched it about three times. I scrolled through their other Instagram posts and I was like, you know what? Like kudos for not giving up. Like just kudos for continuing to plow ahead with this. It's, <laughs> you know, like it's sort of like that South Park thing where like, or maybe it's family guy where you take a joke so far that it goes from being not funny to being really funny that's 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 what this what this this is this is the case i it, it was hilarious and yeah you're totally right they took you know they took completely unqualified people i think one of the one of the people in that thing is uh in an early video identifies herself as a receptionist at the at the dealership and all of a sudden she's here explaining in sort of tiktok moves ways the financing thing i hilarious you're right someone it's, came in and said amazing. you young people go do some talks yeah. <laughs> all right so I would like to discuss a topic that has been on my mind, sort of in the back of my mind, but also in front of my eyes, I'm sure in front of yours as well as, as well as many of you who are listening. And that is celebrity brands and the viability of this whole, what seems to be a new business. I think the, I, I think we, we know that celebrity brands are ubiquitous. I mean, Celebrities have been uh, promoting things, uh, endorsing things, um, appearing in ads for things forever. That's nothing new. I think what's new or newer is celebrities starting brands or co-founding brands, growing them very rapidly, and then selling them for really big sums of money. Uh, I think the first one that kind of comes to mind, it might not be chronologically the first one, but the first one that I think of is the Casamigos tequila brand that George Clooney yep. founded with a buddy of his. I think the, there was a third gentleman there mm -hmm. from the Patron business that, that helped them get the whole thing off the ground. But famously, they sold for a billion dollars to, I believe, Bacardi or Diageo. And that raised everyone's eyebrows and opened uh, eyes of some of the biggest celebrities onto the potential windfalls that can be generated by these types of things, right? Because the whole thing was the George Clooney story from, of Casamigos was that it was something they never intended to even sell. They wanted to make it for their own consumption. And as the story goes, it was so good. And somehow, you know, they were convinced to start selling it. And obviously the rest is history. But there's an origin story there that seems authentic. It seems like it really ties in nicely with Clooney's personality, you know, and, and so he kind of kicked off this whole thing. Um, we've had other uh, famous examples. Most recently, there was a lot of noise when Ryan Reynolds sold, uh, sold his stake in Aviator Gin. I am sure the gin is lovely, but I think it was the marketing of the gin that really pushed, um, pushed the yeah. brand uh, to its kind of level of fame. And they sold it for over 600 million, I believe. Um, wow. Another, another example is, yeah, another example is um, Rihanna, who was um, given the rights to a brand new Mason uh, under LVMH, which is something that happens very, very rarely. But she was, she basically took her little fledgling Fenty beauty brand and LVMH yeah. said, here's a boatload of resources. We want you to be 
a standalone Mason, like a stand standalone brand within LVMH, just like Louis Vuitton or Moet or Hennessy or some of the others that they have, right? And that in yeah. itself is um, something that goes back to who she is, you know, and kind of her own issues and uh, what she felt like what was, was missing that she wanted to bring to the market. Okay, so we have a few of these success stories. And I'm just, maybe because I, I spent some more time online, but I'm just seeing more and more celebrities trying to create brands with these so-called like origin stories that seem to be authentic, but I have my, I have my doubts. I, you know, The Rock um, has been uh, trying to launch this uh, new tequila brand and he's not Terramana. just the face of it. Yep. Terramana, yeah, he's not, he's not just the face of it, but he's kind of like saying, you know, it goes to his, you know, whatever roots. Um, there, there are others who are, who are trying to do the same sort of thing. My question is, is it really authentic or is the celebrity brand dead? Have they sort of like milked this for, for all that it's worth? What do you think? I, I know this is really interesting because all of the examples you gave were, I feel like they're all very different. Um, if you, let, let's, let's take the, the Casamigos one and let's say that the origin story is, is true. And he did start it with his, with his friend to produce je, uh, uh, tequila for his friends. And let's say that he didn't intend to sell it and he didn't intend to sell it to Diageo. I mean, if that if that's right, he just wanted to make um, tequila. He just wanted a nice brand of tequila that he liked himself, and he's got boatloads of cash to to do it. So right. for him to go out and create a tequila brand for himself, which will let's say it costs a hundred million dollars, he's got so many hundreds of million dollars, maybe probably from royalties, and they keep coming in every you know every month. So for him to to do that and to create, let's say it costs like $15 million to create a tequila brand and he doesn't have to make money from it in order to pay for all of the work that he's put into it. So for him, it's like, it's a, it's a passion project that he wants to do um, that then, you know, gets sold and people like George Clooney's, George Clooney's tequila that he made himself. I'm, I'm buddy buddy with, with, you know, Mr. Clooney. Um, And it kind of, it does buy into his, brand personality that is he gives his friends a billion bucks paid for paid taxes as well just because he wanted to so i feel like that one is a really interesting one that he created from nothing the the aviation gin is ryan reynolds is basically the whole brand is ryan reynolds personality and right. people buy it because they love ryan reynolds and the ads are hilarious if you see the new aviation gin um homeschool edition it's 1.75 liters of gin. And he put out a, an Instagram ad, which is probably on like one of the sets of the films he's working on because he can do that because it's Ryan Reynolds. He can do it every once in his films. And he's like homeschool edition because everyone needs, everyone needs gin to get geography done. So like that one is, is a different case. He's just like, hey, I can do it because I want to, I, just because. Yeah, and he didn't. I, I don't think he he was the creator of the gin, right? He just bought into no, the. I think yeah. yeah, he just bought into it. Like he just, he's now the owner and of Mint Mobile, which I don't know. I need to check on that because that looks like it's doing catastrophically bad. No matter how much Ryan Reynolds, you know, is the face of it, and then the Rock Taramana is is the Rock. It, 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 that one feels the most like 
he is creating a business based on him and not as a as something that he wants to do i'm i don't doubt that he loves tequila i don't doubt that tequila he made is something that he loves to drink but i do doubt the authenticity behind i'm making a tequila because it's for me and i'm letting you in on it and more it's I am the rock and I'm making tequila and I know all of you fools will buy it from me because I'm the rock and I'm the most powerful celebrity in the world at the moment. Like he owns the goddamn like the XFL. He's a, he owns the football league and he's like, yeah, you do you want to buy some tequila? Here, buy my tequila. You want to watch football? Watch my football. You want to watch films? Watch my films. He's like the superstar. So you think? So you think this is? See, I. I, I about 10 years ago, vodka, celebrity, celebrity-driven vodka was the older age. I think P. Diddy uh, did like the whole thing with Ciroc. I think there were other yeah. um, hip-hop artists who uh, lent their names to other vodka brands. It's not like this is new. I think no. it's just kind of like being identified in slightly different ways. And I think the difference, again, with some of them is you, they create an origin story. I think 10 years ago, there were no origin stories. It was basically like, Hey, yeah. I am PDD. Like I live the, I lead this, you know, fabulous lifestyle, lifestyle. and, and yeah. you can, you know, you can have a piece of it when you order my, you know, vodka at a club or, or you know, buy it at a store yeah. here, you know, you have um, some attempts to kind of create a feeling of authenticity, but I feel like it's wearing off, you know, like I don't, I don't yeah. for, like, yes, the rock reaches 160 million people just on Instagram. Um, he has a powerful voice in, both yeah. as a huge guy, but also like because, <laughs> yeah, <just laughs> but as a big person, yeah. as a big person, but I just don't think that like I, I'm not buying it. Like I don't think The Rock is, um, you know, I don't think The Rock is uh, selling me something that he himself artisanally created somewhere. You know, it's just clearly, clearly a money play well, at this point. Whereas I can believe that Clooney at least had some sort of like I, I can believe that he likes the final things in life, and he yeah. he would have gone and made a tequila that he wanted to drink. Yeah, and I, and I think The Rock, I, what, what I love about following The Rock on Instagram is he takes you on the journey so you feel some ownership of it. Like when, when he was making that skyscraper film where he only has one leg and he leaps across the crane to the building, um, like he, he would post backstage shots of it and he would tell you about where they are in production and he would tell you about the shots they had to reshoot because of testing. And he makes you feel like you're part of it. Like Hobson Shaw, I remember seeing the post where he was like, we just signed, you know, bloody blah to play whatever role in this film. And you feel like when it comes out, you know what's happened and he takes you on that story. So you feel like you want to be part of his, you're part of his world and you want to go watch the film or drink the tequila because you know where it came from. I don't, buy into that he created a tequila brand and he's letting us into a secret he definitely created a tequila brand to to take everyone's money um and i <laughs> well, he, and i think that, yeah well yeah okay i was go gonna say that. well here's a here's a question i mean if you were a celebrity when you're a celebrity um would you <laughs> <laughs> would you would, would you launch would you would you launch a brand uh, what, what segment would you launch a brand and i guess like if, if you were if you were launching one um i mean it seems like everyone is going into alcohol and maybe it, there's something else that you can be a celebrity brand in well this 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 is interesting because f basically for me to do that is me creating a business 
and not like, you remove the celebrity portion of it. It's you creating a business and then you have to sell as much of it as you can. So you don't lose all the money that you poured into it. Um, it's like, I was thinking about how to create a, a like a, a wine brand and you'd have to like, um, you, you'd basically have to either start off with $10 million and then make a wine brand and end up with $1 million. Um, which was the, the, the joke that I, uh, uh, sort of repurposed earlier and, or you have to basically buy white label bottles from wineries around the region in which you're at, slap your label on them, call them your own wines. Then you make enough money from that. And then you have to buy the grapes and then, and then create the wines, ferment them yourself, and then do the, do the mixing and the blending yourself. And then you go into buying vines and, and doing that. Like that costs loads of money. And so you gotta take out loans, you gotta you know, understand your target audience, you gotta understand your marketing, you gotta get people to buy it. So for you, for me, I don't have 15 million bucks kicking around where I can just make a brand and be like, oh, look, this is my brand and here's the origin story for it. And I'm letting you into this thing. It's like, I have no money. I've had to borrow everything. My house is you know, owned by the bank again because it's against this massive fermentation pot that I own now. And I'm doing everything I can 24 hours a day, seven days a week to, to make it happen. It's like for everyone else, it's just running a business for them. It's their side hustle, which they don't have to be so um, uh, like pushy for in order to, to have a, to have a brand. And they're just borrowing their, their name. Like people pay millions yeah. of dollars appear in an ad uh, i think i i, I think i think it's 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 not accidental that it's usually alcohol and in rihanna's case beauty because it's a super high margin business um so you can yeah. you can have a very low investment into the actual product and then make um, a huge margin based on the brand um that you create versus anything else including things like wine yeah actually takes a lot more a lot more work I think we should talk about the the Rihanna Fenty brand because we did talk about the dudes and the and the alcohol, but and you know not being a woman and not buying makeup, it's harder for me to understand it. But from what I understand of of the brand, is she saw the the lack of products and skin tones, then she wanted to fix that. So I think again, this is different to you know, Ryan Reynolds and George Clooney and The Rock in that there was a there was a there was a need for this and a good quality product and i and i know I, I think it it helped that she was a, fa- a famous person and a you know very much in the forefront of um of everything that's going on right now but also she created a product that people really wanted and really needed so i think that one is also different in that she helped it become more established because of her name but i don't think it was like a vanity project for her to have a makeup brand like kylie jenner for example which is basically her name to sell things that i can't imagine is very good either that's that's based on nothing other than i don't like the kardashians (laughs) no you're right um you know but uh it's it she also I, you know, I, I'm just assuming here, but she could not have done this with uh, in with L, without LVMH coming in or a big brand like LVMH coming in and essentially underwriting the whole thing, because yeah. the nature the nature of, um, of of makeup and beauty is that um, 
you know, there, there, there is a reason why a lot of the shades that Fenty is now famous for selling didn't exist before. They, they don't sell in high enough volumes to make up for the, for the expense that's involved in producing them. So many of the other brands just never, you know, they're, they underinvested in that for probably for worse rather than for better. Um, she's able to come in and say, yeah. I'm Rihanna. I'm going to do this. These are my values. That's what I'm going to stand for. And you know what? I'm going to sell so much of the popular shades that it's going to make up for whatever, you know, thinner margins or losses you'll take on some of the less popular ones because it's going to represent who I am and what I care about. So good for her. Good for LVMH for uh, jumping on that. And I think it's a, it's a success. At least it looks like a success story for now. So, yeah. Um, okay, cool. So next topic, this is kind of looking to the, into the future. Um, with uh, with contactless shopping and not the contactless cards that the rest of the world have and, and the US is playing catch up on. Um, but like contactless, like physical contactless shopping. I, st- I, I still um, see people take out checkbooks at the grocery stores. <laughs> that, I honestly didn't know that they would still accept that because it feels like a very dodgy way to get paid now because yes. of instant cash. Um, so, you know, we, we, me and you, we've been to the San Francisco Amazon go store. Uh, the first time I went in there, it was really weird. I definitely felt like I was stealing something. Um, but for everyone who hasn't gone in, you basically register using your Amazon account to in the Amazon go app, you scan the app when you go in on the little turnstile thing, like you're going into, um, like a anything with a turnstile, I guess. And then it knows who you are and they can track you throughout the store. It knows where your arm movements are. It knows when you pick something up and you put something down. It knows when you put it in your basket and then you walk out with it and it sends you a receipt saying, we, we, we build you for your eggs, milk, bacon, sausages, sausage, tomatoes. It's magic. And, you're, and you're, you're for your, for your fry up and it's magic and it's, and it's weird. And you have, they have to have people at the, at the thing saying at the end saying, you can just leave now and get out because everyone's like, do I pay? Do you know what I've got? Do I have to scan this now? So Dunkin' Donuts is now doing this and I'm going to check my notes, but they look like they're going to be doing it um, in stadiums in, was it in, um, in collaboration with MasterCard. So in stadium purchases, um, you go through COVID, during COVID. This is exceptional. You don't have anyone breathing at you really close when you're gonna when you're gonna pay. Um, you don't have to like touch too many things like interaction with cards and cash. Scan your app, grab what you want, leave. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, done. Really great marketing thing. I was like, hell yeah, I want to do that. Like when we went to the Amazon Go store, the food was crap. Yeah. There was nothing there to eat. But the 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 fun factor to say you did it was great. So like, what's the next step? Like, is it going to take off in store? Like, will the big, you know, Albertsons and the Whole Foods probably because it's Amazon, but you know, the, the bigger chains not in San Francisco and not in LA and New York, um, will they spend the money up front for it? Do people see the, 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 it being any easier, um, like those kinds of like things, like what, what, what is the future of it other than gimmicky kind of MasterCard and Duncan saying we've done it for marketing purposes? 
Well, I think the incentives are all there. Uh, the, the labor part of a grocery store is probably a, one of the things that grocery stores would love to eliminate. And yeah. considering the razor thin margins that grocery stores and supermarkets in general operate on, uh, getting reducing the labor cost, eliminating the labor cost, I'm sure is something that they would be very interested in um, in exploring and exploring um, ASAP, especially with the current climate and the pandemic when um, you're exposing your staff and you're exposing your customers by having more people in the store. They could use that as an excuse. Um, I know that Amazon is uh, now licensing or selling this technology to third parties. And yeah. so I guess they feel confident enough. I'm actually not sure if they're the ones who are doing this for Dunkin' and MasterCard in the, in the stadiums, but they probably feel good enough about uh, their own tech to be able to start supporting other retailers with this. I think this is for real. Not even from yeah. a consumer standpoint, but more from a business standpoint. There is going to be a future very soon where uh, more stores are going to be, especially I think the local neighborhood uh, sort of smaller stores that probably where you don't rely on a lot of bagging because one of, I think one of the other things that you know you have to do a lot of is like restocking the shelves, bagging the groceries. And if if you're dealing with sort of lower quantities of things being bought, I think it's a very compelling proposition. Can you imagine Seven Eleven not having a cashier? Um, like if you just eliminate yeah. that one, that that one, I I, I think I think it's going to happen. I think it is for real. I don't know if I love it as a consumer because when I walk into a grocery store, especially one that I'm not familiar with, I do often ask, you know, where is this or where is that? So I think the overall grocery shopping experience has to improve with better signage and better tech, uh, you know, showing me w what's where. I think that is an yeah. investment that's 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 got to be made in parallel with this. Yeah, because I I we're in Oregon City now. I went to the Freddy's and for the first couple of weeks, I mean, this thing is mad. I mean, I call this the village. It is enormous. It's, it's, it's the biggest supermarket I've ever seen. And then you turn a corner and it, and it goes on. It's like, it's like the Venetian um, floor. It is so big. Um, and I have the Fred Meyer app now, which knows, where, knows which store I'm in and I can search for stuff that says like, like hey where is the, this type of bread or where is this condiment and we're like oh yeah it's aisle 17 i'm like great so i don't have to ask anyone i don't have to talk to anyone which is excellent go over there blah, 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 find it um and if you can incorporate that kind of searchability within an app if you could if you can combine now here's, here's a thought i have real life experience apple watch why mm -hmm. doesn't notes exist on your apple watch so you can read your shopping list whilst you're in the store without having to take your phone up, it not recognize your face because you've got a mask on, all you have to do is a little scroll scroll, easy. Why don't they do that? Incorporate that into your Apple Watch so you can just like flick your wrist up, scroll down, find shopping shopping list, and then keep going without having the, yeah. Anyway, side, side tangent. Um, but I think the, what I, what, I think it's gonna take people a lot of time to figure out that they've not stealing stuff when they leave the shop. I still think you're going to have at least the same amount of people restocking shelves or helping people find stuff or being at the exit, trying to um, convince people that they're not actually stealing. They're going to get a receipt later. And you have like the, the age barrier as well. I think for us in our, you know, 
early 30s, um, it's easier for us to get the apps out. But anyone like my, I can't imagine my dad really downloading an app, going in there, signing it up, connecting the credit card, trying to like go shopping. He would lose his mind. He still has cash. He pays cash in supermarkets. Yeah, but maybe maybe you maybe you offer a dual system, sort of like you have with toll roads, right? Like where you have fast track lanes, and yeah. for people who are pre-registered, and then you have cash lanes for people who aren't. Um, I think you're right. Actually, I think it is. It has to be a, a gradual um, a gradual transition. You know, Amazon very much did this as an experiment with the ghost stores. You know, they yeah, they weren't trying to be all things to all people, but you know, Kroger, Ralph's, ones. Fred Myers, Albertsons, whatever, they all have to be all things to all people. And um, as I mentioned earlier, you still see people take out their checkbooks. You still checkbooks. see people <laughs> bring bring coupons in. You know, that's another huge component. You know, how do you how do you deal with um, food stamps, the EBTs, if uh, you know they yeah. have to be linked to your to your app as a form of payment? So it's I think, you know, I think caveating what I said earlier about will this be Will will this see wider adoption? It will. Asterisk, provided all of those things are thought out um, and uh, that customers have options. And I think maybe 100%. initially, I think maybe initially it's going to take more time. But I would love this. You know where I would love this more actually yeah. is less grocery stores and more places like Target and uh, department stores where they're cavernous um, and you yeah you can't find associates and uh, I, I, I sort of just, I, I, I kind of want to just get the stuff and go and the, yep. you know, you spend an hour there looking for all the things, getting all the things and you arrive at the checkout line. And it's one of those things where I swear to God, I, I've walked away from my shopping because the lines were too long, <laughs> yeah. you know, because, because yes. it's not, gro- it's not groceries. Like I can live without the thing that I put in my cart that I'm already feeling guilty about. And, you know, Target may have lost like a hundred, a couple hundred bucks on me, on, on me that day because the line was just too long. I think those are the types of places I would love. I would love to have some of that and airport shopping. Yeah. Airport shopping. And then they can, and then you won't even know how much they're taking from you. They'll just send you, they'll send you an invoice and a loan application at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think the other thing I just saw kind of on this topic was like, I don't know if it was Amazon or another cart, but it was a shopping cart that, um, scan it had like the a ring of scanners and as you put stuff in it knew what it was and it added it to your list uh in like little screen display on the bars so it kind of feels like a hybrid where you're able to do your normal shopping and then i feel like the end goal would be you either pay on an app you pay the little tap tap on the actual shopping cart the little lights go on and say you've paid for it. You know, there's a visual cue for representatives who in the shop who don't know if you've paid or not paid. Like, I, I feel like that could be the stepping stone of your basket and you have a smart basket or a smart shopping cart that scans it for you, knows what's in it, knows the total, applies the discounts. It's connected, you, it's connected to your, your, you know, your loyalty card, all of that stuff. And it's like, gets you used to the contactless, you know, exit of the shop or the contactless payments. Uh, now that is something I could very much get behind tomorrow. Cause that would be awesome. I, I agree. I, I, you know what I think back to, it wasn't that long ago that um, the self scan lines were introduced. I mean, relatively speaking, oh, yeah. you know, like a decade ago, they, they weren't ubiquitous. They were not, they were, yeah. um, I, I remember going to 
uh, stores when they were being rolled out and um, they had more people standing there guarding the self-scan lines because they were afraid that people were just going to steal stuff than the, yeah. you know, the actual cashiers at the cash registers. So that, I mean, clearly people adapted, people are using those. They probably reduced the number of employees that the stores have to have because now you have a higher throughput with those. Uh, so I yeah. can see this. I can see this in the next um, five, 10 years becoming as ubiquitous. But, you know, notice this, the self-scan things did not replace cashiers entirely. There's still, no. there's still an option. So I think, I think what we're going to see is um, a balance of all three. Why? Because alcohol and cigarettes, you can't, you, you need an ID. You got to check IDs and things. So like the, what I did find is at the self-scan there's all, there's one person there who will check your ID and or it's an Oregon thing. I don't think you can do that in California. Um, but, um, but yeah, you can't have total, you know, like contactless cause there's always going to be someone to check IDs because it's, it, they're weird here with that. Like real weird. Well, the law is the law, but law is the law. <laughs> the law is the Facts. law. Well, interesting. I think um, I think the it feels like the pandemic is kind of accelerating some of the some of these innovations. What you said about the stadium experience, I think that's going to be so clutch uh, once sports are yeah. back and we can go to the stadiums and actually watch the games. I think the last thing that I want to do ever again is stand in line and wait for sub you know, food of dubious quality that costs 16 bucks and I have to wait for 30 minutes to get it and miss part of the game that I paid a few hundred bucks to go see. Like the whole thing just is yeah. annoying. Like just eliminate that whole thing. Do what Duncan is doing with MasterCard. Make it easy. Can't, like let me go. Like I'm going to spend the money. You can scan me nine ways to Sunday. I'm not going to leave that stadium without you not taking my money from me. So that yeah. would be a welcome improvement. Yeah, because I think, I think you know, the ideal thing is you scan your your wrist your you know, your wrist tab when you go in which is linked to your profile which is linked to your card and then you can basically just go around picking stuff up and i think if you need to show like some kind of visual thing you just like they do this at festivals now you just like tap the tap the reader with your nfc wristband and then you can get your beer and your hot dog cheaper and you can still get your um, your invoice plus uh loan application you know what else is an nfc your apple what? watch your Apple Watch. Just don't just, even just, need just, one. Just push, just push an app. Just let me do it. I'm ready now. Just push, just push the app. Just do it. Just do it. Make sure you put your shopping list on there as well. <laughs> well, Alex, <laughs> I, I for one cannot wait to go to see a sports game with you. I think one of the last ones I saw in person was actually with you in Kansas City. It feels like Kansas City. Was it the Royals. Uh, the Royals? Royals, Royals, and the A's, and the Royals got absolutely creamed. I think we saw nine home runs in, in the time we like there. Yeah. I feel like we also got creamed in all the beers they had there, but that was a <laughs> yes. different, different, also different story that. for a different day. It was a pleasure doing this show with you. Um, pleasure. I look forward to covering all of the other topics we have saved up. And uh, until yep. next time. Until next time. Thanks, Gosha. Sure.